Welcome to Prayer Storm Podcast. We trust that it will be a blessing to you and that it will stir you and equip you to be all God calls you to be. Father, I thank you for your spirit of grace and supplication. I thank you, uh, Father, for just empowering us by your spirit to live victorious lives. Thank you, Father, as we've just been singing. It's not by our power. It's not by our might, but it's by your spirit. And Father, we're so thankful uh, that you've not left us on our own, but you've empowered us with your spirit. And Father, your spirit enables us to do things that we weren't able to do in our own ability, but you empower us to do your will. So Father, thank you for that empowerment, your grace upon us to do right, to speak right, to think right, to be right in this season, Father. So thank you. Thank you for grace, Father. So we give you praise, Father. And Lord, as I go into your word today, I ask, Lord, for just clarity, as for utterance. Lord, I pray tonight that you would destroy yokes by your anointing. Uh, Father, I pray tonight, Father, that you bring focus and clarity where there's been distractions. Father, I thank you that tonight you're calling us to a place of refocusing on the main things. So we give you praise in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, if you've got your Bibles or if you're on your phone, uh, why don't you just turn to Hebrews uh, 12? We're going to be reading from Hebrews 12 uh, today. So I'm just going to get my Bible. And I'm going to turn to Hebrews 12. And some of you might know this passage already. If you do, great. If you don't, well, you're going to be hearing it today. And if you do, listen, there's still a lot that God wants us to become. You see, it's one thing to have a head knowledge. It's another thing to have a reality and lifestyle. And uh, there's so many scriptures we know, those of us who have been around the church for many years, but it's like, okay, uh, we don't just need to know them in our heads. They have to become our life now. And that journey can take a while. And the more we yield to the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in us, the quicker it, it would take. Uh, but... Uh, as we'll find out in a few moments, God is in the business of killing the flesh, and uh, the flesh doesn't like dying. And so, uh, you know, it's not often a fun process. Uh, uh, many Christians are carnal believers who, uh, they are saved, but they live their life, in most of their life, in the flesh. So they're ruled by the carnal nature rather than ruled by the Holy Spirit. And uh, they might know lots of scriptures, but that doesn't make any difference really because it's just in their heads it hasn't become a reality god wants us to be spiritual people who are ruled by his spirit living on the earth and uh, that doesn't always just happen uh, instantaneously i actually like to think oftentimes when i uh, just think about certain people in scripture i like to consider how they got saved and one of the people that fascinates me is paul the apostle you know, when he got saved, he had a radical encounter with Jesus, and uh, he fell off his horse, he saw a vision, and the Lord spoke to him, and boom, he was instantly changed. When Peter, when, when Peter, when Paul had that encounter, it wasn't a theological argument that convinced him that Jesus was the Messiah, it wasn't a well-presented preach, it wasn't a well-presented service with nice lights and nice music, I mean, I'm not against good music, and that's honoring God and worshiping God. Uh, and nothing wrong with light as long as it's in the right place and we don't place all the emphasis on those things. However, what caused Paul to change from Saul to Paul and in that encounter he had with the Lord was the presence of God. He encountered something really deep in God. 
And uh, uh, today, oftentimes, we can place emphasis on the temporal things. We can place emphasis on, uh, you know, I call them external props. You know, and, and they actually mask, they cover up our deficiency. They cover up our, 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 our spiritual bankruptcy. You know, the early church had less and they yet had more impact. The early church, they don't have keyboards like we have keyboards. They didn't have microphones. They didn't have all these pretty lights behind me. They didn't have all these nice cameras. They, the early church had less than we have today, yet they had more impact. And we are having more in our time, but we're somehow having less impact. There's something wrong there. And I think when we trace things back, I think we can trace things back to encounter, the depth of encounter they had with God. And what went on in their heart and the lifestyle they lived was a reflection of the depth of that encounter. And the, uh, the, the result of that was we could see the impact they had when they spoke, when they preached the gospel. It wasn't their great gifting that, had the, that caused the change in society. It was the anointing, it was the grace, the presence of God because of their lives being laid down and consecrated to him. So when I think about certain people like Paul the Apostle, I am really stirred in terms of how he encountered God. So he had this encounter with God, fell off his horse, had a vision of God, boom, he saved. And when he saved, you know what happened right after that? He goes into three days of fasting. No, he had, by the way, when he fell off his horse, he lost his sight. But he gained insight. <laughs> he lost his vision in the natural, but he was actually gaining his spiritual vision. There are many people that have eyes but can't see. You might be watching me and you think you're a Christian, but you actually have lost your spiritual vision. You lost your spiritual sight. I'm telling you, it's important that you regain that sight, even tonight. And we're going to be touching on some of that. But when Paul had that encounter, he went into three days of fasting. And I'm really convinced that those three days of fasting were, was God just delivering him and breaking things off him and, and bringing him out of all kinds of bondage and deception that he was in. And you know what? I, I wonder sometimes what would happen if when people commit their lives to Jesus, the start of their journey is three days of fasting like Paul. Listen, I'm convinced that if people start their Christian faith with that level of intensity, fasting and prayer like Paul did, I'm convinced a lot of demons we're counseling today would have been cast out at the point of salvation. Are you hearing me? You, you don't counsel demons, you cast them out. Okay, and if you're watching me, you're freaked out. Listen, demons are real, angels are real, heaven is real, hell is real. Okay, it's not just some ideology out there, it is real. I'm telling you, God wants us to encounter him. And because of how Paul started his journey, something really, something really shifted in him that set him on a pathway for deeper spiritual encounters. How did you get saved? Can I ask you that question? How did you encounter God? Did you just say a little prayer so many years ago, and because you said that prayer, you think you're okay? Because it's not just because you said a prayer. Are you living saved now? Okay, you tell me you are saved. Okay, well, I mean, that's kind of a Christian, a Christian phrase, you know, I'm saved. But my question is, saved from what? Are you saved from lying? Are you, stay, are you saved from stealing? Are you saved from malice? Are you saved from backbiting? Are you saved from pornography? Tell me, what are you saved from? Because if you're saved, then there has to be real evidence of deliverance from the power of sin. He came to set us free to live fully for him. And so I believe in this season, God is really calling the church to be what we are supposed to be. Not just people that are filled with information about God, but people who are living in the reality of who God is and manifesting that to the world around us. So we come to this scripture in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 1, and this is what it says. 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That is a powerful scripture. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, listen, people, you are never alone. Even when you think you're alone in your room by yourself with your phone or your computer, being tempted to watch pornography or watch the movie that's filthy or being tempted to do things that you know aren't right, listen, you're actually never alone. There are eyes on you. Now, <laughs> here it says, they're cloud of witnesses. It's not just that. See, I can deceive you, and I often say this, you can deceive me. But we cannot deceive the spirit world. It's important that you live with integrity because, you know, sometimes people ask questions like, well, can, can the devil read my mind or can demons read my mind? Well, I don't think they need to be able to read your mind because in the spirit realm, you, you admit who you are. You, you can't hide who you are. If you're living in lust, you're living in sin, if you're living in, in disobedience, Anyone observing you from the spirit realm with spiritual sight can actually see where you are in the spirit realm based on the life you live. So you admit who you are. Uh, and, and so they don't actually need to read your mind. By looking at you, they can discern where you're at. And so we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Obviously, I believe that speaks of heavenly witnesses who are watching us, who are actually cheering us on. They've run their race, and we're running our race right now. It's amazing that he uses the picture of running a race here. So let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. See, when you're running a race, especially when you're running like a marathon race, it's important what you're carrying. You don't want to be carrying some excess baggage. You don't want to be carrying things that, is gonna, that are going to slow you down. You know, and... When you start the race, you know, you might be carrying a backpack and you might feel for that moment that that backpack is light. You might feel okay with that backpack. But if you're going to run a marathon with that backpack, after a while, you're going to realize that what seemed light initially is now starting to feel heavy. See, you may feel initially like it's not much of a weight. Because, listen, we're in this. It's a marathon. It's not like a, a sprint, a 100-meter sprint. It's a marathon. So... You know, initially, when you start out and you're running, you, you might feel, oh, yeah, this is not heavy. But after, you know, so many meters, I'm not great with distances, you know, 5,000 meters or something. After so, you know, after so many kilometers of running, what initially seemed light in the first 200 meters, after 5,000 meters, now feels heavy. So it's kind of like, you know, right now, this Bible... This Bible I'm holding is not that heavy right now. However... If I were to hold it up like this, and I was challenged to hold this for an hour, right now it doesn't feel that heavy. It is, it is pretty heavier than the average, but it doesn't feel that heavy. But if I were to hold it for another hour, then I'm going to know how heavy this Bible is. See, for the first few seconds, this doesn't feel heavy. 
okay? But by the time we start counting 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour, then all of a sudden this that seen a light in the first five minutes now becomes so difficult to hold up. See, for many of you, you're carrying things that right now you think are okay. But if you're really wanting to run the race that God has set before you, those things are going to eventually slow you down and you're going to have to get rid of them. See, we are running, we're not competing with each other on this race. Like Paul says, we're running towards, we're pressing towards the mark of the high calling. Our focus is Jesus. And so we're not comparing ourselves with one another. We're actually looking onto him. And I'm going to come to that in a moment. But as you begin to pursue him, you find that there's some things you, you used to carry when you first started out on this race. Maybe there were some TV programs and soap operas you used to watch. Maybe there were some places you used to go and it didn't really bother you that much. Or, you know, the Holy Spirit was not highlighting conviction to you. Maybe there were some friends you used to hang around when you first got saved and maybe, you know, you've been around them. Even their Christian friends and God, now as you're pursuing and running after him, you start to feel uncomfortable. You're, like, you're wondering, why am I feeling uncomfortable around this? I used to feel okay with this only a year ago. Could it be that now you're running that race and God is letting you you realize it's time to drop some weights. It's time to drop some things that are actually slowing you down. Listen, with a pandemic going on right now, with the coronavirus and the fear, this is the time where the true church needs to arise. People who will manifest the real Jesus to this world. And that doesn't come just by singing a few songs in church or joining in on a live stream and singing a few songs or listening to a sermon. That comes by a work of the Holy Spirit in us as we lay down some weight as he convicts us about them. Are you ready to lay down some weights? Or are you happy to just coast along in your Christian faith and just talk about the grace of God, but use the grace of God as a license to carry on and compromise? Listen, the grace of God was never meant for you to excuse your compromise. The grace of God was released for you to overcome your compromise. The grace of God is not God trying to lower the standard because of this culture, because the culture has got darker and there's all kinds of things permissible and allowable right now that actually Actually, heaven is, is not happy with. There are many people in the church and are taking on the culture, trying to become like the culture. It doesn't work that way. God is empowering you with his grace to overcome the compromise and the darkness in the culture. So at this time, God actually starts to call his believers, the remnants, those who are truly wanting him, those who are not going to church just because they want a breakthrough in a husband or a wife or a car or finances or this or that. Now, don't get me wrong. God will release breakthroughs and God is a God of breakthroughs, but we don't seek God just because of those things. These are the times where the true believers begin to rise. I know you want God to heal your body. I know you want God to provide for you. But what if he doesn't? Are you now going to stop serving him? If you're going to stop serving him because he hasn't healed your body, or you're going to stop serving him because he hasn't provided for you, then I want to say to you boldly right now, your faith is very shallow. Yes, I said it. Your faith is very shallow if you're going to stop serving God because he hasn't done something for you. Listen, does God exist for you or do you exist for him? 
if God doesn't give you the wife, the husband, the, are you still, have you set your face like flame because you've actually encountered him for real? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say God doesn't heal. I'm not trying to say God doesn't provide. I've seen God heal. I've seen God provide. I've seen God do amazing things. But I am okay to still serve God even if I don't see those things happen. Many people get so easily offended at God because their faith is so shallow. They've built their faith on like sand. They're not solid. So every trial and tribulation that comes their way, they just, they just knocked over. And that's one of the problems that I believe the Lord is wanting to address in many of our hearts. Because in the midst of this crisis, I cannot promise you right now that you're not going to have any challenge. I cannot promise you right now that you're never going to get coronavirus. I cannot promise you right now that everything's going to be perfect. But regardless of what happens, is your faith going to withstand the storm? Or are you going to give up in the middle of your trial? And right now, you may think it's easy. Or you may think, okay, it's a challenge right now. Listen, your life does not depend on this right now. If right now you're struggling to stand, how much more when the Antichrist comes and your life depends on it and you're being called to denounce your faith, would you stand for him in that moment when your life depends on it? If you're not standing for him right now in the middle of persecution, what makes you think you're going to stand for him when things even get tougher and your life depends on it? But one of the problems is we have so many carnal believers that they just want God to do certain things for them. And when he doesn't do it for them, when they want, how they want, they get offended, they stop worshiping, they stop praying. They stop, and I'm like, come on, come on, come on, come on. Your faith is shallow. You need to have a deeper encounter that goes beyond that. In fact, the kind of encounter we need right now is if God does nothing for us anymore, we're still going to serve him. So God is revealing some weights. It might be some ideologies. It might be a, a pattern of living, a thought pattern, a lifestyle that you've embraced. And at the start of your Christian race, maybe for the last year or so, you know, you have been okay, seemingly. But now God is starting to prod at those areas that were okay back then to you. And now the Holy Spirit is like, okay, because you're pushing on in this marathon race, what was okay back then is no longer okay right now. And so he starts to slay the flesh. He starts to cause those things that you thought were okay initially to start to feel uncomfortable. And you, you see, you can't shake it off when God is convicting you about something. When God is wanting you to stop watching something, you can't shake it off. When God is wanting you to stop listening to certain music, you can, you can ignore it and bury it under the carpet, but you will know deep down you've just grieved the Holy Spirit. And many people have grieved the Holy Spirit and not even bothered, just carried on with their lives. In the name of grace, using the grace of God as a means to carry on in a certain lifestyle. No, 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 no. If you really want to run this race, listen, the path gets narrower the further you go down this path. The further you run this race, the further, the more you realize the path may start a bit broad, but it starts to get narrower and narrower, and God starts to stop you from doing certain things. So the weights need to come off. Let us run the race that's been set before us. Let us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Listen to this part. Looking on to Jesus. Now, if I was in a physical room with you all in the room, I'll get you all to repeat after me. Looking onto Jesus, right where you are, just say this, looking onto Jesus. I'm imagining you're saying in your living room right now. Looking onto Jesus, 
Say it again. Looking on to Jesus. Now, I believe a more accurate translation of that is not so much looking on to Jesus. A more accurate translation is looking away onto Jesus. Now, repeat that after me. Say, looking away onto Jesus. See, the reason why I believe that's a more accurate translation is because to look onto Jesus, you have to look away from other things that are trying to get your attention right now. Because as you're running this race, you see, along the side path of this track, on, on, on the side of this track you're running, are so many things, listen, that the enemy has planted there specifically for you. So you're like, oh yeah, Lord, I'm going to run this way. God, I'm going to seek you. The moment you decide you want to you wanna go after God, you want more of God, you see, and you're running this race, you're seeking God, the enemy has strategically positioned things on your pathway. They're on the side path. So they're there to distract you from looking onto Jesus. And you see, he has positioned the things that are specific to even weaknesses that you may be having right now. If you're struggling with lust, he has positioned things on that pathway to distract you. If you're struggling with uh, honesty and, and finances and stealing and things like that, he has positioned things on that pathway specifically for you. If you're struggling with lying, he's strategically orchestrating situations that will bring out that old nature that was supposed to be buried. See, he has positioned all, if you're distracted by wealth and finances and that's your focus you're focusing on mammon listen he has positioned things on the way to to distract you and this is the thing see one of the reasons why we need to be very careful is sometimes we think that financial blessing this is a bit of a tangent but rather tangent we think that god blessing us even in ministry if you're in ministry you're watching this maybe you have a bigger crowd you have more following or you have more finances we think that is a sign of the fact that god is pleased with us you got to be careful because the devil can give you money for the purpose of distracting you from looking onto Jesus. The devil can bless you with the things that you're thinking are from God just to get you distracted from me. As long as he can get you looking away from Jesus, then he's fulfilled his mission. Because now you're in, you're in a, you are an ineffective Christian and you're no good for the kingdom of God on the earth. You're a selfish believer living for yourself and you will not accomplish anything for the kingdom of God on the earth as long as the enemy manages to distract you with all the other nice things he puts on your way on the side path as you run in this race. So if you're easily tempted by money and finances and all those things, he will put those things on the path to distract you from Jesus. And it's going to be a real temptation. See, Jesus was tempted. And the fact that he was tempted meant he could have fallen into that sin. And what will be a temptation for you is not always what's going to be a temptation for me. Listen, if you were the devil, what would you do to you to, to cause you to be distracted from Jesus? Think about that for a moment. If you were the devil, what would you put in your path to distract you from Jesus? Maybe write that down. I'm telling you, most of you thinking that through right now will probably give you an idea of the plans of the enemy to distract you from Jesus at this time. It could be a boyfriend. Yeah. Not that God doesn't want you to be in a relationship, but you're in the relationship with the wrong person. Why are you with that person? Did God tell you to be with that person? Or do you just go with that person because your emotions feel like, oh, they look good, they look cool, they look nice? Well, are you being led by the flesh? Are you being led by the spirit? Because a sign of 
maturity is the fact that now your spirit is tuning into Holy Spirit, and that's what's leading you and dictating your decisions, not your flesh. So now you're just doing things in the flesh when you're supposed to be a person born of the Spirit. How can we be born of the Spirit, yet living on the earth like men, men, and women who have no connection to supernatural resources of heaven? You can't just depend on your flesh right now. This time you're depending on the Holy Spirit to give you direction. So you can't just be in any relationship. The enemy has strategically placed things or is going to strategically place things for the purpose of distracting you. That is why you need to look away. Say, look away. Look away onto. You look away onto Jesus. Because as your eyes are fixed on Jesus, as my eyes are fixed on Jesus, there is the strength that comes from that connection in his eyes. The fire in his eyes gives me strength to run the race even when it's difficult. You don't overcome sin by just saying no to sin. You don't overcome temptation by just saying no to temptation. You have to have a yes to Jesus that's far greater than the pull of that temptation. That is how you overcome. Or one of the ways you overcome is the vision of Jesus actually empowers you to break the pool that the enemy is trying to have on your soulish realm. Are you hearing me today? So God is saying to you, it's time. It's time to let go of the distractions. It's time to be delivered from our distractions because God wants us to be single-minded in this time. Looking onto Jesus. See, if pride is your problem and you have an issue of pride, the enemy will strategically position situations on that path that will get you to start living in pride. And if you're not having regular, serious heart checks with the Lord, you actually start to cohabit with that spirit. And you may be in ministry preaching, prophesying, doing amazing things, but actually now the enemy has something in you. Because now you, you don't realize it, but you're slowed down and you're not running your race and you're actually ineffective for the purposes of God because the properties of the enemy are now in your soulish realm. <laughs> the enemy is going to come for his property. You can't take something that belongs to the enemy and expect that the enemy is not going to come and ask for some payment. You can't take the enemy's property, i.e. pride, jealousy, envy, loss. You can't have those things in your life as a believer and expect that the enemy is not going to come and ask for some payment for the things that are his in your life. So as, God be as you begin to have regular heart checks with the Lord, as you begin to allow the Lord to examine your heart regularly, then he highlights those areas of pride. He highlights those areas of loss. He highlights those areas that you have got sidetracked. The, the amazing thing is, you know, the Bible says the heart is incredibly deceitful, wicked and deceitful. You can be deceived and not even know you're deceived. <laughs> so this, this is so dangerous, people. Listen, 
I can be living in deception. Obviously, if I'm living in deception, I wouldn't know I am living in deception. I, the nature of deception is you think you're right. You think you're living in truth. That is why you have to be humble and let the Holy Spirit shine his light. He's the spirit of truth. And running this race is not easy. Jesus, in John 19, let me just look at this scripture with you in John 19. You know, one of the songs we sang earlier on was uh, uh, see him there on the cross. We're talking about Jesus on the cross. And, you know, Rebecca was singing that song. And, I, you know, this script, uh, th this passage was actually come to my Rebecca didn't know I was going to be speaking on, by the way. And, and so when she was singing that, I was like, oh, wow, that's actually something that the Lord put on my heart for today. John, John 19, verse 15. I'll just read a few verses here. But they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Then he delivered him to them to be crucified. Then they took Jesus and led him away. And now we're in verse 17. And Jesus, bearing his cross, went out to a place called the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew, Golgotha, Golgotha. And there they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus was in the center. The verse I actually want to focus on is verse 17. And he, referring to Jesus, and he bearing his cross went out to a place called Golgotha. Now, Jesus carried his cross to the place where Jesus was crucified. Now, we know from other scriptures as well that Simon, you know, also helped Jesus in, in that process of carrying the cross. But Jesus definitely did carry his cross. And there's a point I want to make about that. Imagine Jesus bearing his cross on his shoulders, carrying his cross. In that moment of intensity, in that moment where Jesus is, you know, he's feeling the pain, the weight of the cross is on him. In that moment, imagine if you went to Jesus as he's carrying that cross, going to, you know, to Golgotha to be crucified. Imagine if you went to Jesus and showed him a very nice house that you've just found. And you're like, Jesus, check out this house. Or maybe you showed him some nice carpentry because Jesus was a carpenter. Imagine at that moment you showed Jesus the most amazing carpentry that had ever been done up until that point. And you're like, Jesus, check out this awesome work. You know, do you think Jesus in that moment will be bothered by those kind of things? Maybe one of the ways to describe this, see, I've got two children, by God's grace. And uh, we, we had one in December and I was in the labor room when my wife was giving birth to our second child. Now, it wasn't a pretty experience. It wasn't a fun experience. In fact, if I remember correctly, she was crying, I was crying, her mom was crying. Because <laughs> there was just so much going on, not just crying from joy, but crying because, like, oh, God help us. Because there was a lot of agony going on in that moment, okay? 
Imagine in that moment, I, you know, you know, you know, you know, often that women into their pedicure and manicure and all this stuff. Imagine in that moment you, you, you came to Rebecca and said, hey, Rebecca, imagine, look at this amazing deal I've just found, you know, with, with this company. They're offering all of this. Oh, Rebecca, you'll really be interested. Imagine in that moment, do you think Rebecca's mind or anyone's mind in the moment of trying to give birth to a baby would actually be bothered about those kind of things? Why do you think they won't bother? Because they're feeling a burden on their soul. When Jesus carried the cross and he was on his way to Golgotha, okay, he was feeling the sentence of death on his soul. This is important what I'm about to say. Jesus was delivered from distractions because of the burden that he carried in that moment. In that moment of feeling the cross, of knowing where he's heading, the burden delivered him from distractions. You know why you're distracted right now in your life? While you're constantly on social media, and while you're constantly here and there, and while you're constantly just looking this up, looking that up, and while your, your spiritual life seems to have no focus, you have no burden. When the burden of God begins to come on you, it brings focus and actually brings deliverance from distractions. To be able to look unto Jesus, we have to be burdened with his burden for the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. The burden of the kingdom has to become our burden right now. Pleasing him, advancing his purposes. When that becomes our reality right now, I'm telling you, no one has to uh, beg you to serve him. No one has to beg you to pray. No one has to beg you to read your Bible. It becomes a natural outworking of your Work with your walk with God. That becomes an out, an outworking of that relationship because now you're burdened by the things of the kingdom. And when I say by things of the kingdom, I don't just mean working for God because we know you can get busy in, in terms of working for God and not the God of the work. And you can get more in love with working for Him as opposed to the one who gave you the work. I'm not talking about just getting busy doing God's work while you're not spending time with Him. And when I'm talking about being delivered from distractions, I'm talking about the burden of God. And you know, sometimes that burden comes as a hunger. The reason why you're distracted and right now why you're just everywhere emotionally is because the hunger, your desire, have not connected with heaven effectively. The more that reality starts to manifest in your soul, in the same way the sentence of death was in Jesus' soul, the more you're going to be focused, looking away from those distractions, onto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. In this season that we're in, I'm telling you, we need to keep our eyes focused on him, the author and the finisher of our faith, because the distractions are increasing. The news, opinions, the media, all kinds of things are being released right now to distract us from the main thing. We have to keep the main thing, the main thing. 
And the way we are as humans is you cannot be intense at 10 things at the same time. And so, you know, you're trying to pursue the Lord, but with the same passion, you're pursuing the Lord, you're pursuing lots of other things. You cannot be, you cannot be effective and move with momentum and depth in your relationship with the Lord because you're, you're, you're intense in all these other areas and God is just one of them. Actually, I believe God wants us to have him. Actually, no, I believe. The Bible says, and I know, he wants us to have him as the superior passion. He wants us to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength. We cannot do that while we're distracted. We cannot do that while we're looking to other things. It's time to look onto Jesus. Look onto Jesus. Turn away. I know you may be feeling pain in your body. I know you may be feeling uh, a loss of a job right now. I know you may be feeling disappointed about a relational situation. I know you may be believing God for X, Y, and Z. But how about we just focus on Jesus? Yes, he can heal. Yes, he can provide. Yes, he can do all these amazing things. But let's just seek him for him. And yes, we can ask him for those breakthroughs. But even if we don't see those manifestations right now, let us keep our focus on him. You cannot go wrong. Listen, this is not a time to get distracted by even personalities. Even within the church. Thank God for amazing leaders. But leaders at the end of the day are humans. And they will make mistakes. And they will disappoint you. But I'm telling you, it is the time for us to fix our eyes on the one that will never disappoint us. And when we begin to have our eyes fixed on him, I believe right there is where the other things that we often tend to make as our priority, he starts to meet those things. Yeah. The breakthroughs start to come as we make him our priority in this season. And you know what that looks like? As always, spending time in his presence allowing him to deal with the issues of our hearts, allowing him to realign our minds with him, transforming our thinking, with uh, aligning it with his thinking. I know the feelings of distraction. I've, I've felt distracted oftentimes. And I know just what I'm saying to you is why I sense the Lord saying to me, when his burden becomes real and more real on my soul, the secondary consequence of that is distraction deliverance from those distractions. And I believe God wants us single-minded, focused. John the Baptist was one of those people that was single-minded, he was focused, and God was able to use him to bring revival to a nation. We will not be used by God. We can sing all we want and say spirit break out and sing it and prophesy it and talk about revival, you know, and just do all the charismatic gymnastics we do. Listen, it's not going to cause any manifestation until we are fully given to him and we allow him to work in us and we actually start to have what I call the tunnel vision like John had. He was fixed. He, he, his eyes were set on the Lord. That's why he was burning. So, Father, we pray right now that we will begin to be delivered from our distractions 
as the burden of your kingdom become a reality in the heart. The burden of your face, the burden of your presence. I mean the good burden. The good burden. You said your yoke is easy and your burden is light. That burden that you said is light and that yoke that's easy, we want it. And we want that to be a reality. Pray with me right now. Father, we want that reality to begin to settle in on our minds, on our emotions, on our hearts, that we will be believers in the United Kingdom, in the nations of the earth right now, that are focused, that are not distracted by material, temporal things, but our eyes are fixed on eternal things. That, Lord, you, Father... Cause us to be believers that you can entrust the burdens of heaven with. That you can actually, through us, birth your purposes in the earth. Lord, as your eyes search throughout the earth, would you find us as people that you can entrust treasures of heaven, treasures that need to be released in the earth, that you can entrust that to us, Father. Lord, those people right now that are living carnal lives and living according to the flesh, living according to sinful habits and being distracted by the world, Father, I pray right now that you begin to bring not just your conviction, but your deliverance from those distractions. We choose to look away. I want to say this right now. Father, I choose to look away. I choose to look away, but not just looking away, but I look away onto you, onto you, Jesus, onto you. My eyes want, I choose to lock my eyes into your fiery gaze right now, Father. That the fire in your eyes become the, becomes the fire in my eyes and in my life. That your fire would test and try me in this season. Because I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to miss what the Lord is doing. I don't want to get distracted by crowds and ministry and all the things that look good, but actually are causing me to steer away from my true love for you. Father, deliver me from distractions. Someone needs to pray that right now. Father, deliver me from my distractions and help me to run this race. Thank you for tuning in to Prayer Storm Podcast. We hope you have enjoyed today's edition. For more information and teaching, and if you'd like to get connected, please visit www.prayerstorm.org.